Hey, can you do me a favor? Turn that light bulb on. There we go. That's perfect. Let's wake these people up. Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz. Now, before we start this um, this podcast, <clears throat> wanted to talk about Ford. Um, just got a car from them, and it was amazing. Honestly, Ford, uh, Wailing City Ford, uh, gave me a great experience and wanted to take just 15 seconds out of my time just to quickly, uh, you need a car, check them out. I had a great experience with them um, and it still continues to actually be a great experience. Uh, just had this whole situation happen with the whole coronavirus and they tried helping me out as much as possible, uh, being able to help out with the payments in whatever way that it, it could be helped out. Uh, and I know that they're going to do right by whoever goes there. So if you're looking for, uh, to buy a car, Ford is, is, is actually becoming a big competitor in the auto industry. A lot of, um, a lot of companies in the car industry have begun to die out as we begin to see those of you who are 20 years and older, there's a few cars that don't exist no more. Saturn is one of them and uh, a few other ones. And as time has gone by, these companies like Ford have continued to grow because they're producing great cars. I mean, honestly, somebody was asking me just the other day. I pulled up to Cumberland Farms and a guy looked at me and he, 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 he asked me, he said, hey, listen, is that is that a Mercedes? He goes, that thing is beautiful. He thought it was a Mercedes van. I told him, no. I'm like, and actually, I've heard that the Mercedes van kind of drives like a box of rocks. I'm like, so um, that's off a of hearsay. I was like, I mean, I haven't driven it myself, but geez, I'm like, this Ford Transit is beautiful. So check it out. And I, I've seen some other cars from Ford and 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 they're amazing they look nice i gotta give it to them i i honestly didn't think i was gonna be a ford guy but i have a ford ranger i got the ford transit uh i think one of my first cars was actually a ford contour so i can't really say nothing bad about ford uh it's been great especially now with this uh going to a dealership to get this car great experience so Check out Wailing City Ford. It's on 471 Broad Street in New London, Connecticut. The zip code is 06320. So check them out. Uh, speak to Bruno. He's a sales rep there. Um, Filippo, great, great, great manager. From the second I left to now, I mean, it seems like he gets in contact with all these people to see how things are going. Uh He's very involved. He's a general manager that's very, he's got his hands very uh, dipped into a lot of things, which is a good thing because you can tell, you can tell that they've, uh, they, they've, they've done well. They've done well as a business. So check them out. Wailing City Ford. Now, <clears throat> took me more than 15 seconds, so maybe I shouldn't even give you a time limit, but I wanted to get into the subject. Now, this whole coronavirus, this thing is getting crazy. Um, we're seeing that in Italy, they're talking about Italy has 50, 56%. This is the last number that I had seen. So I don't know if it's gone up or if it's gone down, but, uh, for sure, for sure. At one point it was 56% of all the people that have gotten the coronavirus have died. Now, mind you, Italy does have a big majority of people and their their healthcare industry ha- is is got to be one of the worst you know out of the first world countries i think they're one of the worst so they're not the greatest but a lot of these uh italy has a high high percentage of their population you know they they, they have one of the biggest if i'm not mistaken that have elderly people so with this whole coronavirus, we've begun to see that um, it, it, 
the main thing that the coronavirus does is it attacks the lungs. So it's a, it's a virus that becomes a respiratory virus that ends up attacking the lungs. Now, with, uh, with the elderly people, you can obviously tell that why would it affect them more? Because obviously you get older, and as you get older, uh, you start to get arthritis. You start to get arthritis. You're, you want to walk less. You want to run less. You want to move less. I mean, um, I have a, uh, a shoulder that has arthritis like an older man already because of sports, um, got into an accident. It pretty much just took away all the cartilage in my shoulder. And, and that's what arthritis is, is, is really like a lack of cartilage in the joints. So anyways, so you see, uh, it, it's hard. Like, you know, I get stiff a little bit and, and it gets hard for me to kind of move my shoulder. And it takes me a little bit to kind of get going. And just the pain alone makes me not want to move sometimes. But uh, this is what people go through in their older age. So you, now you have to think about this. Now, an older person gets arthritis, their bones hurt, they want to walk less. If they walk less, that means they're getting less cardio. That means their lungs are working less. That means they have weaker lungs. So in turn, they also, since they have less of a workout, they're also maybe not eating as healthy, a weaker immune system. So you can see how for the older generations it affects them badly. Uh, from, uh, <clears throat> let's see, from... I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's from 60 and older that it's really it, the, the this this COVID-19 really affects people. So anyways, so I wanted to kind of get into this, uh, this, this question that I saw somebody kind of give a response to. And I don't know if I was completely, I don't know if I completely agreed with it, but I kind of wanted to give my thoughts on this one. You know, this is why it's called Food for Thought. To give you guys something to kind of think about a little bit. So, uh, so here's the first thing. Now we see how, uh, where is God? Somebody had made a video. Where is God in this COVID-19 during this whole coronavirus, right? Where is God? And they had said that God is in all the good. And... I, I I didn't know what what to kind of uh, I don't know if I agreed with that one hundred percent, but I did I did see this. I'm I'm gonna give you a lot of perspectives, right? So I'm gonna kind of start you off in point A, point B, point C, and kind of go on different topics. So kind of bear with me a little bit, and then you'll see how it kind of all comes together. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot at it kind of like at a from the angle of a detective style, right? So it's going to be like cross-examined from different points of view. And then and then I'll, I'll give you the answer at the end. So try to bear with me a little bit in, in the middle of all this. So we see you have the this this COVID virus, right? Now this virus is a natural a natural thing. A lot of people have a lot of conspiracy theories as to is this virus a man-made virus? Because everybody's freaking out. You know, how is it that this virus is so uh, complex and it's more contagious? And well, first things first, viruses adapt and evolve. Uh, a, a virus doesn't just end. It doesn't just die. It continues to grow. Um, Mother Nature produces some of the most scariest virus and diseases that there are out, out there. A lot of uh, virologists, a lot of um, uh, biologists will say that Mother Nature produces some of the most perfect diseases and viruses that we will ever see out there, period. Uh, that it's actually not as easy as it looks to be able to produce such a deadly disease. Uh, Mother Nature does it better than anybody else, really. Something interesting that um, that you see if if you if you go back and you actually watch the movie, um, 
jeez, I forgot what it's called, but it's the one with Brad Pitt. Um, I don't know if it's the end of times. I don't remember exactly what the movie is, but it's like when all these zombies start coming out. And in that movie, the, the virologist in there says it. He says it perfect. He says, Mother Nature makes the best, the best diseases. It's, it's very difficult to replicate. Many people think that it's so easy. And there's actually a studies that just came out recently, a few days ago, that just said that because of what's happened, and, and, and they've been able to link back and find the original, uh, more or less, uh, through the genomes, if I'm not mistaken, right? Through all the different strands, the original strand, they've been able to find its base form, and they've been able to prove that it's it's not a man-made virus. They're actually trying to tell people, like, stop with these conspiracy theories. Like, America's really trying to stop this. They're saying, um, uh, this is not a man-made virus. So just Google this. Just put, is, corona, is COVID-19 or coronavirus a man-made virus? And you're, you're actually going to see a lot of studies on this. So I don't want to I don't want to uh, delve too deep into this topic. But you see how it's a natural thing. It's, it's very hard to replicate. So the coronavirus is a natural thing. So let's keep that one in mind as point A. That coronavirus is a natural thing. Now we see, what is it that beats a virus? This will be point B. What beats a virus and, and what does the best job? You know, because we can take um, different antibiotics and different... Uh, Different vaccines, I guess you could say, that'll help beat this virus. Well, let's not say vaccines. Let's say other medicines or whatever it could be that'll help beat this virus. But what is the best thing for this virus is your actual immune system. Now, your immune system uh, produces these antibodies. And eventually what happens is, is uh, I don't know if you know, but... Right now, as this podcast is happening and you're listening to this, your body is fighting off viruses all day long. There's all type of germs, bacteria, viruses, little cuts and lesions on your skin. If you have a splinter and you have inflammation in your on your on your skin, there's there's antibodies uh, that are coming right away, right? These white blood cells that are coming in and your immune system is sending everything to be able to fight off whatever germs are coming in or, or, or whatever viruses from putting your hands on a surface. You know, you, you constantly hear all the time, you know, that, that there's viruses everywhere. There's germs everywhere. You touch one surface and, it, and, and you, you, let's say you sneeze on your hand, you touch the surface Somebody else comes, touches that surface, so on and so forth, right? We, we understand more or less this, how, how eventually from, you don't notice, but from what, a split second, you'll go and you bite your nails and boom, that germ is in your mouth from the guy who wiped himself in the toilet, you know, four hours ago, you know, all the way across town in his house. And now you're biting your hand and... We can understand how this whole thing happens, right? That's a little bit disgusting, but I wanted to give you some perspective here. So we're fighting viruses all day long. Now, what is it that builds a strong immune system? Now, we have seen through many studies that the last thing you want is to be putting hand sanitizer on your hands all day long because then your, your, your immune system is not getting strong. Think about your immune system like an athlete. If the second that the athlete, he begins to, he stops working out, what happens? He's, he, he doesn't have the same endurance, the same speed, the same agility. Um, he, he, he loses the, the, the muscle mass. Um, he, 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 he loses uh, all kinds of things, right? The ability to be able to do what it is that he needs to do, his hand-eye coordination, whatever it else uh your immune system works the same way. Meanwhile, you keep it working, it stays strong. But if you're never putting bacteria, right? The last thing you want, I'm not saying go and, and, and put your hand in a dumpster and then lick, 
you, you know, lick your hand. No, that's not what I'm telling you here. But, but you know, the fact that you're you're touching things and, and you're 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 you don't notice, but little things that you're doing, you're constantly allowing germs to enter your body and, and viruses to enter your body. So, what is it that happens in the in the middle of all this? You, your immune system gets really strong. So when you have uh, COVID, let's say 17 comes in, what is it that happens exactly with viruses? They enter into the, let's say the heart of your immune system and they begin to replicate. So right now you're fighting viruses and there's a virus in your body, two, three, four, who knows how many germs, bacteria, viruses that you have inside of you. So you don't feel any symptoms because maybe that virus itself has not entered into the heart of your immune system where it can begin to replicate and then begin to, uh, uh, once it's entered into that part, uh, what, what, what it does is it begins to, to replicate itself over and over and over and over. And then you enter into, uh, you get fevers, you get all kinds of symptoms because now your body's working extra hard to be able to uh, heal itself to be able to get itself better to now kill off this body these 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 viruses in your body so now after all this passes by what happens now you've built up a strong immune system and the antibodies now you're immune to this covid 19 strand covid 17 covid 18 who knows what it may be but now you've become immune to this this is why it's called the immune system and eventually builds an immunity to whatever, whatever it is that, that you have or that you, which is within your body. So how do you keep this immune system strong? By giving it vitamins. You know, the, uh, one of the virologists, uh, if, you, if, you, if you listen to Tinfoil, Tinfoil Hat, it's a podcast, Tinfoil Hat, episode 290, they had this virologist if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a virologist or a biologist. I don't remember who it was exactly, but uh, I think he was from MIT, if I'm not mistaken. But if you listen to that podcast, he explains. He says the best thing for the body is really the immune system. You know, even this the the one of the leading virologists in uh, that that got into Joe Rogan, in, the immune system is the strongest thing. I mean. Uh, some people are wearing this mask that's uh, like a blue little mask and it has these little holes on the sides of your face and your nose and everything. That mask does absolutely nothing for you. The leading virologists in the world say this. That mask does absolutely nothing, especially for this COVID-19. It's a respiratory virus. So the second that you breathe in, those little holes that you have on the side of your face from that blue mask or in the creases where your nose are at or under your chin there's a lot of creases there that mask as soon as as soon as you breathe the virus enters through those little holes boom goes right into your nostrils right into your lungs that's it you got covid-19 so that blue mask does absolutely nothing i think only i think the p195 i think that's the name of the mask which is it's, it's a completely sealed mask that covers your whole face and it's got like just this little hole in the front. Those masks work perfect because they seal your whole face. Um, but other than that, those blue masks do absolutely nothing. So they're explaining how the best thing for this, this virus is just to have a strong immune system. It's funny, you go to a lot of these places and at least in the beginning, I don't know about now, but toilet paper was out, paper towel was out, but vitamins were like still stocked you know i found that kind of interesting me and my wife went to the store and we saw that toilet paper was running low paper towels were running low but the actual vitamins the first day that we were doing it they were like fully stocked not a single vitamin gone so one of the best ways to help out is taking vitamins eating healthy you know um Making sure that uh, they say they say working out is another good thing because it helps build the immune system. Uh, so uh, uh, the most surprising things is is just washing your hands. Just just a simple wash to the hands, so you're not spreading this virus. So okay, so now we have the immune system. So the immune system is what helps 
to be able to fight off this virus. Okay. It's, it's the immune system doesn't, it's not a matter of, uh, to, to summarize this part of the immune system, the immune system is not a matter of let's never let viruses enter the body. No, because what happens if no virus enters that body, no germs, no bacteria ever enter that body. The second that the smallest virus comes to hit this body, the smallest flu, you know what happened? That immune system is so weak that it kills that human being. Okay, so that's the immune system. Now, let's hit into another subject. Suffering. Suffering and evil. Now, with suffering and evil, you say to yourself, suffering is a bad thing. I think a lot of people would look at suffering And they would say that it's a bad thing, that they don't agree that we should suffer at all. Uh, Maybe you have a few people that are listening to this podcast that say, Juan, I disagree. Suffering is good. Yes, that's what I did say. A lot of people don't like suffering. And and even those people who might say, no, suffering is a good thing. When suffering comes, you know, you're you're probably like, you're not sitting there saying, I'm so happy that I'm suffering. I'm so happy that things are going bad right now in my life. I mean, I'm going to say like less than 1% of the population really, really believes that suffering is a good thing. It's all right. I, my problem, I myself have problems with suffering. You know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to suffer. So we see that with suffering, uh, suffering is a good thing. If you have a child, the last thing that you want to do with this child is protect them from all suffering. The first suffering that a kid has usually tends to be with his brothers, with the mother, with the fact that he's not being he's not being giving everything that he wants as a baby. And this tends to be a baby's first suffering, a child when he's born, he's born. You know, uh my brother hit me. My brother bullies me. My brother didn't give me this. Mom isn't always giving me what I want. You know, uh, we, we, we all go through this as children. I mean, do we consciously know this? Do we say, yes, yes, I, I, I suffered. Mm, my mom didn't give me what I want. Mm, no, we, we, maybe a few of us do. But overall, when we're four years old, we're not very conscious of this. Now, what happens when a kid doesn't suffer? Now, this is for everybody who's, um, I've wanted to touch this topic of suffering, but I've kind of never known how to throw it into somewhere. But I think this is actually a good thing, where to throw it in. If this child is protected from, let's say, let's say he has no brothers and no sisters. All right, he, he saves himself from that suffering. Let's say mom and dad give him everything, every toy, um, every food, every candy, uh, who knows what, you know, never make him clean his room. Uh, I, I mean, as a child, when you're little, that's a suffering. It sounds crazy to some people right now, but those of you who are parents, go go tell your child to go clean the whole room, you know, perfectly clean and to, to, to do to wash all his clothes Watch how much that child is about to throw a fit and suffer because he's got to go clean his room. So maybe the mom and dad always clean their room. You know, this happens at about five years old, seven years, eight years old. You know, um, they're never told no. They want to go over to the friend's house. Okay, you know, uh, they, they start to, to, to get everything that they want. Uh, you know, the, the child begins to question some moments of suffering in other friends' lives because maybe the parents split up and and the parents make an excuse as to why. And, you know, they, they sugarcoat the whole thing, which is not a good thing, but we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, they, they, they sugarcoat the reason why and, and they don't like to tell the child that there is suffering in this world. They, they give them some really dumb explanation as to why 
there's kids who are hungry in the world and why people die and uh, they'll tell them that it's very uh, dangerous, let's say, right? Uh, they'll say uh, it's that actually, no, they, they won't even say why things are dangerous. Mind you that they, they, they just make they paint the world to be happily ever after a Disney movie. This is what they do. 11, 12 years old, they want a cell phone. They give them the cell phone and the cell phone begins to corrupt them. Uh, you know, because they begin to see, they get into to, to Facebook, they get into Instagram. And of course, as I've said before in the other podcasts, when you have Instagram, when you have Facebook, the last thing that you're doing is posting yourself to be suffering. This is the last thing that you want to do. So, and it's another thing to bear suffering firsthand. And it's another thing to see suffering happening from a video. It's very hard to sympathize and to get into it, especially when Facebook is constantly and Instagram is constantly sh- or, or, or who knows what other Twitter, let's say they're constantly showing you the shootings and, and all these bad things that are happening everywhere. Eventually, you become desensitized to that type of suffering from a third party. It, it almost becomes like a movie. So anyways, now the child's 12 years old and he's at about this stage. 14, 15 years old, same thing. You know, the parents are protecting them from everything. Uh, the kid uh, makes it to basketball. They get him the shoes. They get him the clothes. You know, everything that he needs to become the popular kid in school. That he needs. He wants a car at 16 years old, 17 years old. He finally got his license. They buy him the car. And it's not even a used car. And they didn't even make him work for it. You know, they didn't want him to suffer uh, of getting a job at 16 to get this car so what did they do they bought him the car and they didn't even get him a used car they probably went out and bought him the brand new car now keep up with me here i know that this seems a little bit draggy but i want to i want to show you where this all goes now 18 rolls along 17 18 rolls along now this kid gets a girlfriend now another human being enters into his life another human being that's not his mom and it's not his dad mom and dad want to protect him from every suffering in the world and all of us want to do this and i don't judge people who do this i'm being honest with you i i I really don't i sometimes i do a little bit but but overall i understand because now that i have my own children I, i would like to protect them from all the suffering in the world the last thing as parents is we want we don't want to see our kids sad so anyways, now this kid is 17, 18 years old, and now he gets a girlfriend. Now the first person in his life is now another human being that doesn't care for him to the natural love of unconditional love that a mother and a father have for a child. So what does this this girl do? This girl talks with him, uh, maybe... Maybe they, 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 they end up having sex together. Who knows what they end up doing. And eventually the girl gets tired of him. And because this kid has never had a brother or a sister and never contact uh, had this, this emotional contact with somebody else at such a deep existential level. This girl maybe has had one boyfriend, four brothers, uh, who knows, maybe she's been through abuse in life. Oh, oh, who, who knows what this girl has been through? So this boy gets with her. And now this girl ends up leaving him or cheats on him. Now what happens with this boy? He finds this out. And now since he's never been, he's never been allowed to suffer in any way, shape, or form. Because he was never said no to. All the clothes was bought for him. Every time that he was, he had a question about some evil in the world. Or some some suffering of his friends. He was always given given some sugar-coated story. Or told, no, let's not talk about that. Or they changed the subject. Found a way to change the subject. Every time that this happened, they sugar-coated everything. So now this kid confronts himself with the first form of evil and suffering that he's ever confronted himself with. Just like an immune system. 
right? Now you see where I'm going a little bit with this. So now, just like this immune system, it's weak. And the only thing that he knows has been good. So what happens? This kid says that he doesn't want to suffer like this no more. And he he doesn't ever want to be into this suffering. So he says, I just want to end this. I just want to be done with this. Or who knows, or maybe he goes to take drugs because he just he just wants to numb everything because the reality in which he's living in, he hates it. And he hates his life. I mean, even now, they're starting to see that a lot of young men who come back from war, who have PTSD, severe PTSD, as the psychologist begins or the or the shrink or the therapist begins or the clinical psychologist begins to talk with him they begin to see that the, this young man was sheltered from suffering that he was never spoken to about evil and his mom and dad maybe uh, always told him that he was a good boy and that he was this good type of person or maybe he was naive that that there was such evil out there in the world so what happens when he goes out to war and begins to shoot at somebody in a desperate situation when a human being is ready is being shot at and they have nothing else to do and they're freaking out what do they do they have an m16 in their hands they turn around and they shoot at them because that's what they're trained to do so they, they, they pop their head around the corner, boom, 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 take a few aims, shot, kill them, kill a few other guys, and then they move on to their next target or whatever their task is, right? Do what you got to do. Don't get lost. Don't let your emotions take over. Just uh, muscle memory. That's what they want. A police officer, they're literally told, you know, if somebody pulls out a gun on you, boom, take it out. Don't shoot once. They, they teach you muscle memory. Let off four rounds. Notice how police officers, um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's really not because, you know, uh, but the police officer pulls out and, and you understand why they teach them this. Because if they shoot once and the guy continues to shoot off and five officers get killed, you know, some guys can still push through the pain of one bullet. So that's why they teach them. The police officer teaches them, you know, they in the academy, they teach them, don't just shoot once. It's one, two, three, four. Make sure the guy's down, you know. So um, they want to teach them that as muscle memory. So that's what they do for, for, for this in the army. Boom, they pull out the gun. Bah, 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 bah. They release out these shots. And they just muscle memory. Everything is, is it just it's like a, a the training kicks in and bum 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 bum. I mean, some of you who are listening to this, who have been in the army, you guys are probably saying yes, that's exactly how it is. So now this young man comes back from war, and now he's back in the real world. And now he's reeling, he's realizing that there's a man. That may have looked just like the man that he might have killed or like the people, right? Because a, a nation kind of looks more or less the same. The Chinese look a certain way. The Middle East looks a certain way. Europeans look a certain way. Africans look a certain way. Hispanics look a certain way. Mexicans, North Americans. So now he goes to the gas station and he sees a man that looks more like the people that he was shooting at. Or who knows where, you know, the Chinese store, who knows what it was. And then he sees that that man has a child and that this man is a good man. And he shot somebody like that. And now it begins to trigger memories or he hears um, maybe a piece of metal that gets slammed on another against another piece of metal. And it sounds like a gunshot. And boom, it triggers this in his head. Now, why do a lot of these young men get these PTSDs, these post-traumatic stress disorder? Is because they never thought that such evil lurk within them. That they could commit 
or do such evil heinous acts as to take another human's life. So, but, and, and, and they're beginning to see that there's a big connection with this. Um, you know, you see a lot of, uh, from big psychologies, smaller psychologies, from universities, uh, magazines, books, uh, big psychologists, uh, you know, Tony Robbins talks about it. He's a very good psychologist, uh, a good clinical psychologist too. Jordan B. Peterson, I've talked about him a few times. So you see how they kind of talk about this, you know, this PTSD, where it kind of comes from this, this lack of this, um, of seeing evil in the world, being protected from evil or, or ever thinking that evil, such evil lurks within them. You know, a, a lot of us maybe believe that we don't have this evil side within us. You ask a lot of these people who are in jails you know, some of them only committed one murder and you meet them and they look like such good people. And then they tell you the story and then one thing led to the next. The next thing you know, they're murdering somebody. So anyways, you see how suffering protects somebody from suffering in the moment that something bad comes their way or evil or some malignant side uh, comes out of them they don't know how to handle it and the first thing that they want to do is just end their life or they freak out or they go through massive stress uh, you know hints at PTSD so you see how protecting them from suffering is maybe not the greatest thing so now what's now, what's this last part that I kind of want to talk about is from a biblical standpoint. Now, you have, let's see, you have, you have this story of Adam and Eve, and I've kind of explained a little bit, but I'm going to give a few, you know, uh, little detailed touches on this. So, we have this, uh, this story, right? Uh, you have Adam and Eve, they're first put into this garden by God. Now, uh, we obviously know that the creation of history, they're put into the garden. God tells them, don't eat from the apple and, uh, or eat from the tree, from this one tree of the not, uh, that he tells them to. And it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is an interesting thing. Uh, and, and it's important that we keep these these stories, whether you're an atheist or not. You know, we're, we're, right now we're living in an, in, an, in an epoch where you tell yourself, why do we need to have these stories in our life? And these stories have withstood the test of time. So if if they've been here for so long, they have a lot of moral value and they've given us a lot of morality in our life. But I think now we're living in a world where especially the left mentality, where it's like creative, just run around. And all they want to do is just break down walls, break down barriers, break down everything. But a construction worker that has walking into a home that's already been built for 100 years, he walks into a home and before he starts breaking down walls, he looks over and see, let me look at this wall. Maybe the guy who put it up here 80 years ago put it up because it's a load-bearing wall and it's holding a lot of weight that's going to hold this house together. So this is what the construction worker does. He tries to conserve the house. You know, the right tends to be the conservative mentality. The left tends to be the more uh, creative um, more crazier, uh, who knows the word that I'm looking for. Uh, they tend to be more, uh, let's move forward. So the, the right, the right mentality says, let's, before we start breaking things down, let's see why this is here. So before we start knocking out 
if you're an atheist, before you start knocking out all of these, uh, let's say, knocking out all these stories out of out of society, and, and you're part of this group maybe that says, let's knock this story out of the water. What are we still talking about this? This is from a thousand, two thousand, um, you know, eight thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand years ago. Let's stop talking about this. This has no sense in our society anymore. We've built the structure of our society and the morality of our society based on these stories. And it seems like now that we've begun to kick out some of these stories, it seems like our morality has gone down lower. So anyways, Adam and Eve are put in this garden In the middle of this garden, they have the tree, this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the serpent, right, comes to tell Adam and Eve. They say, he he tells, uh, the serpent tells uh, Eve, eat from this tree. You know, because then you're going to be like God. Your eyes will be open. You'll You'll have the knowledge of good and evil. So, of course, Eve eats from this. Now, I'm not going to get too into this. I just wanted to touch that based on that part because this is us. We're a little bit like Eve. What do we do? We take of this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Because before, remember, if you think about this, before this, Eve didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. So for her, everything was good. She was... She was completely naked, exposed, and everything was okay. There was nothing bad. Everything was, everything came from God, and she had complete faith that everything was going to be fine. Then she eats of the fruit of the tree, and then she has the knowledge of good and evil. Now tell me, if you didn't know, the difference between good and evil and you are happy in your eyes right because because before this moment if you notice in the story Adam and Eve are happy the man was happy and so was the woman the woman and the man were happy before they ate from the fruit of the tree now after they gained the knowledge of good and evil tell me if you had the choice and and don't be a smart person that's probably sitting down with another couple in your car and you're saying, well, I would choose suffering too. I would choose evil too. How often do many of us really want evil in our life? A lot of us don't really want evil in our life. If we had to choose between good and evil, we wouldn't say, give me both because they both come from God, right? Uh, so if, if, if this all comes from him, let's take away the evil and let's keep all good because evil makes me suffer. And the last thing I want to do in my life is suffer. So what do I say to it? I think if I was in her situation, maybe I would have been weak. Now, what is it? Take away all the suffering from my life. If I can choose the difference between good and evil and I have the, if you have the knowledge of good and evil now. Before, everything was good to you because you were happy. So everything that happened in your life was good. But now you have the knowledge of good and evil. And now you see that evil makes is, is what causes the pain in your life. So if you have the knowledge of good and evil, let's take away the evil and let's keep good so you can be happy all your life. Now, this is interesting because many of us want this. If we could take away all the suffering in our life, the day that you were abused, the day your mom or your father left you, the day that your sister or your brother died from a cancer, the day that your family member passed away from cancer, the day that you had a disease, the day that a boyfriend broke up with you, the day that you were cheated on your marriage, the day that you aborted that baby and you regretted every moment of your life, the day that... uh, 
you made a bad decision and, and it had such a ripple effect on your children. Uh, the day that you, you were a gambler, the day that you used all your family's money on drugs, uh, the day that if you could run away from all this, we would. We would do it in a heartbeat. But if you're able to confront this, many people who do this, many people who come through on the other side of the addiction of drugs, the addiction of pornography, the addiction of who knows what it may be, the day that they were abused, the day that their mother left them, their father left them, the day that they had cancer. We hear many stories of cancer people, uh, people who've gone through all these sufferings that I just named, and they come out better human beings on the other side. And they say, the reason why I am the way that I am is because that moment motivated me in my life to be a better human being. That moment motivated me. Cancer patients, it, it woke them up. That suffering woke them up. That suffering in their life opened their eyes to see that there's a beautiful life that suffering made them appreciate the wife who stuck it out with them that maybe they didn't appreciate before that. That suffering made them appreciate their children. That suffering, that evil in our life, quote unquote evil, made this to be one of the most beautiful moments that we're living in right here, right now. So... Now I tell you about Adam and Eve. Many of us would love to choose to take away all the evil from our life. So now, there's another story in, in the Bible where it talks about this blind man from Jericho. This, mo this man who was born blind from birth. Now, blindness, I would say... That blindness is worse than a virus. Because at least a virus you can get over. Many people can get over. Born blind from birth. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think anybody really from a cure has gotten out of that one. So I think blindness would trump virus. Most viruses you get over within seven days. More or less, maybe. And some, many people earlier, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, you see how Jesus comes over and the disciples ask him. They say, is this man blind because of his parents' sins or his own sins? And Jesus Christ says, so that the glory of God can be manifested within him. That's why he was born blind. Then he takes, makes some mud, spits into the dirt, makes some mud, and throws it in his eyes. And the guy goes and washes himself. And he wakes up. And he sees the beauty of his life. The and he begins to realize who he is. And he makes a change towards the good, right? You figure this blind man's been blind on his life. He'd never realized that. He looks like garbage. He dresses like garbage. His hair looks horrible. His beard looks horrible. Because now he's seeing the standards of life. Just like maybe many of us, right? You could see this blindness as a suffering. And maybe many of you, you're beginning to see the connection that I'm making here. That he, he, he wakes up. And after being uncomfortable because of this mud that gets thrown his, in his eyes and he has to go and wash it, he looks around, he sees the mess that he is. And after he sees the mess that he is, he decides to make a change. Jeez, you know, maybe he wants to go out now and go and get new clothes and go and clean himself up and go and take a good shower. And, and, and who knows, you know, now he can find a job, you know. Now this suffering 
this suffering after being cured and moving past this suffering, he's able to move towards towards progression, towards a better standard of life. All because of the suffering. Very beautiful how it says, so that the glory of God could be manifested within him. So, where is God in this whole coronavirus? The video that I had seen said he is not in the coronavirus because he is the coronavirus is evil. But I say God is everywhere. The coronavirus is a natural natural thing made. It is something earthly. God made everything on earth. So if he made everything on earth, and this is what I believe, these are my thoughts being given to you, but if God made everything on earth, and if we believe that in some way, shape, or form, let's say science is right, right? Because the church doesn't deny science. Science denies religion. Religion doesn't deny science. So let's say that science is right. And that we all came from, let's say, just bacteria and germs and we evolved into this beautiful species that we are today and viruses are this microscopic thing that God put into this earth because it was a natural thing just like this blind man blind being born blind from earth from birth is not a disease it's not a man-made thing it's that God made him that way So if that blindness is seen as something evil, because I think that blindness is worse than this virus. So if being born blind is such a difficult thing, and I think it's more difficult than someone who goes through three days of virus or seven days of a virus. So how do we take this? If it's a natural made thing, then it's good because God made it. And if God made it and it seems so evil, then guess what? Maybe it's not that evil. Maybe the only reason why we see it as evil is because it's making us suffer. And because it's making us suffer, we say that it's not from God because God wouldn't allow suffering in our life. But if we didn't have suffering in our life, we wouldn't be able to see the beauty of our own life, the beauty that God puts in front of us. So sometimes God needs to take a little bit of mud and throw it in our eyes to show us that there's so much beauty in this world that our eyes can be open so that we can see the glory and the beauty of this earth. Whether it's your children, your wife. Maybe you're finally getting the chance to spend time with your children. Maybe you're finally getting the chance to speak with your wife. Maybe you're finally getting the chance to see death. Many of us are so scared of death. This coronavirus is killing so many people and people are seeing it and they're so scared. And death to to see death isn't a bad thing. Death makes you contemplate. Where you're going, where are you right now? Are you living a good life? And if you doubt, and if you, let's say you call yourself an atheist, right? And if you see this coronavirus and you say to yourself, I'm an atheist. If God exists, then where is, where is God in the middle of this coronavirus? Maybe you say to yourself this. Well, if you think to yourself, that if God exists, where is where is he in the middle of this coronavirus and you call yourself an atheist? A true atheist would believe in survival of the fittest. And that this virus is a natural made thing from Mother Earth. And that Mother Earth is just knocking off all the weak people. A true atheist would believe that we must evolve 
and the weak must die and the strong must live. Survival of the fittest. So if you put God into the mix because of this coronavirus, this is just more proof, more proof that you believe in God than even you yourself may admit. Because a true atheist would not take it from that standpoint. He would say this is a good thing. So, this is my crack at where is God during this whole coronavirus. I think that he allowed this coronavirus. I think us as human beings just can't accept that suffering can be a good thing. We're like Eve. We want to take away all the suffering of our life and keep only the good. In the book of Job, it says something very beautiful. If we accept all the good from God, why don't we accept the bad things too? The Bible never says that God doesn't allow bad things to happen. That bad things don't come from God sometimes. That suffering doesn't come from God. He allowed his own son to enter into suffering for the salvation of humanity. So... Now I ask you this question. Where is God during this whole coronavirus? Hopefully my thoughts have illuminated you a little bit. Because I think God is everywhere. If he's the beginning of all things and the end of all things. And he's omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. He's omniscient, meaning he's all knowing. And he's omnipresent, meaning he's the past, present and future. All intertwine into one because he's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. I believe that God is everywhere in the middle of this coronavirus. In that all of this is happening so that we can see the beauty that he's allowed in our lives. Our children, our wife, our jobs. Maybe you're appreciating, appreciating your job now, now that you're gone. Maybe you're appreciating your coworker that you fight with and you argue with all the time and you miss him and you say, wow, this is actually a good guy to be with. Maybe you're appreciating your salary. They used to complain all the time that you don't make enough money. And now you're realizing that you have no money. And maybe the only jobs that you can get can't even come close to paying your bills. And now maybe you're happy with the salary that you have. We always want more, 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 more. This the world that we're living in. More, 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 more. Maybe for the first time ever, you're like, I'm going to be happy to go back to my job and make the money that I make that pays my bills. Maybe this coronavirus is a great thing. Maybe it's putting a little bit of perspective in our lives. Maybe it's building a little bit more communion with our families, our friends, and our neighbors. Maybe for the first time ever, you're asking your neighbor if he needs a carton of eggs or milk or sugar or meat or fruits and vegetables or cereal. Maybe you've never even talked to the poor man next door or the woman next door or the old lady across the street. But now because you're worried, you think that they're worried and maybe you're all helping each other. Maybe this thing isn't so bad after all. And if we die, let's hope that we're in a good standing. If you catch this, let's hope your immune system is strong enough. And maybe it opens your eyes. Maybe this coronavirus is like a little bit of mud. So, anyways, that was my crack at that whole where is God in this whole coronavirus. I think it's interesting. Anyways, well, until the next podcast that I put out, check out Whaling City Ford, 471 Broad Street, New London, Connecticut, 06320. If you want a sales rep, speak to Bruno. I mean, he did an amazing job. Um, Aaron, the sales manager 
found me the Ford Transit, which was impossible to find. So if there's a car that you need to find and you can't find one anywhere, and miss, let's say maybe you're a commercial, uh, you're a plumber, a contractor, um, you have a business with a lot of construction tools, uh, who knows what, maybe you have an edible arrangements, a delivery truck, um, from FedEx to who knows what other companies that there might be out there. You need a van and you're in the local nearby area or who knows, I bet you even if you're all the way up in Vermont and you need a car and he can find you one, 471 Broad Street, tell him Juan sent you. Okay, they'll take good care of you. So check them out. Filippo, he's the general manager. Any major concerns, difficulties, I mean, as long as you're not a jerk, you treat them good, they'll treat you more than good. Aaron and Darnell are the two sales managers there, so they find cars beautiful. I mean, they're great. And then you also have uh, Bruno. Check out Bruno. There's a few other. There's many other guys there, of course, for sure. Bruno's the guys that I. This is the guy that I talked to. He thought of everything that I needed. He asked me more or less what my lifestyle was. And then I mean, he did. Normal. Most of the times, you think you know what you want. I thought I knew what I want what I wanted and I told him what my lifestyle was and why I was trying to do something and, and what I was trying to get more or less and he even took it a step further for me so if you want to hear my experience on the whole Willing City Ford you can listen to the topic the podcast on the topic of truth the topic of truth was a great podcast I actually like that one a lot I gave my whole experience of the whole how uh, about the car 16 minutes um but I'm just giving now just little ads for Willing City Ford. I'm so appreciative towards everything. Um, you like the podcast. Share the podcast. Um, post the podcast somewhere. Tell, the, tell people about this podcast. Um, share it with friends, family. A lot of people tell me that they like it. I'm still considering many other ads. Uh, so keep Keep the ads coming. If, if there's something out there that touches me that I feel like would fit perfect into my life, then I'll uh, I'll consider it and I'll, I'll I'll find a way to maybe work up some type of business. But uh, if I, if I'm rejecting you, it's not because I don't like you, and it's not because I am. Uh, against it, there's just, just I, I don't want to sell something that I myself don't use. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not the greatest dresser. I dress very simple. I, I don't rock Jordans and all these brand name shoes. So I'm not into clothing and I'm not into brands. I'm not into cell phones. I used to be into cell phones. Maybe a few years ago, if I would have done this podcast, I'd be okay with cell phones. But I'm not into cell phones. I'm not into a lot of things. I'm not massively into tech like I used to be. I'm not into having an extravagant home. Um, I, I do like vacationing. So maybe if there's something out there that can work out with that, then yeah, maybe we'll, shoot, we'll go for it. But other than that, share the podcast. As far as the ads go, keep sending them if there's something that I like. You know, I'll, I'll reach out, maybe uh, rate the podcast. I've gotten a lot of five-star ratings. This is so cool. I'm so I'm so happy to see that other people like this podcast. And I'm happy to hear all the experiences of everyone who tells me that this podcast uh, has helped them out tremendously. The podcast on our romance and love, the same thing. A lot of people told me that they broke up with their girlfriends because of this, because of that podcast. Um, guys are telling me that they feel more motivated to want to make a better step in their life. Uh, a lot of people are telling me that it's making them think about a lot of things in life. Uh, the student loans. A lot of students that come, come to my business were telling me that they didn't know a lot of these things. And that they were taking out uh, into that second part of their loans because of this 
There's so much help. So share this podcast. Continue to pass it on. A lot of people love it. Um, and if you don't like it, then you can move on to the next podcast. Listen, I'm not telling you that I'm the greatest. I'm just some regular Joe Schmo that just reads a lot, loves to learn, loves to understand things. I love to sit down to meditate, uh, you know, to think about these things. I meditate a lot, you know, 30 minutes a day. Um, and I love to just understand things. So anyways, this is Food for Thought. This is your host, Juan Cruz. I hope you like this. Share it. Until next time.